Welcome back to season two, episode two of the Hammer and Quill, a conversation with Dylan Dent about craftsmanship in music making. It is good to be back here in the global, worldwide headquarters of the Bonhoeffer House. The studio. As in? Like your study, <laughs> like, but a studio, ah. like a studio. <laughs> the studio. I'd like Hi to everyone. welcome Holly. <laughs> you might remember her from episode one, our introduction to Holly. Uh, Holly is our. That was a strong reintroduction. That was a great reintroduction. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah. The studio. The studio. I don't think that's going to catch. I don't think it'll stick, but it was fun for one time, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is your study. It is the study. And, and it is a studio. Record yeah. in here. We do record in here. And a, a, a back, as always, my co-host, Michael Worrell, who went from an unpaid... It's a real... It's a true rags to riches story. That's right. <laughs> from an unpaid... Is it? Apprentice. <laughs> well, it's a rags to modest okay. income story. <laughs> That's much more accurate. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back again, all together. The staff of the Bonhoeffer House... Woo. United in the studio. <clears throat> studio. <laughs> and uh, listen, we are just so glad to be, you know, chopping it up. We're going to be doing these intros and outros to all of our episodes moving forward. Uh, and just if you're if you're listening for the first time, uh, the Hammer Quill, we're all about exploring the good, true, and the beautiful in the lives and vocations of our friends and partners in the bon- with the Bonhoeffer House. And what we try to do in season one is just kind of run through... Uh, looking at people's lives, asking them for tips and tricks of how they do things, their flow, uh, how they live their life before God in ways that we hope were helpful, uh, that were helpful for us, um, and really looking through their lives in a Philippians 4, 8 kind of way, whatever's good, noble, true, trustworthy, true, and on and on and on. The, the, what is beautiful about uh, their lives and vocations, and then what can we learn from that? Season two, guys, I'm, I'm excited that what we decided to do is, is do these mini-series. And so before we jump into the mini-series where we're going to do one on craftsmanship, one on the future of theological training, and one on hospitality, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the Bonhoeffer House. Yeah, let's. I am excited to ask you guys this question. Mm. What is your favorite thing from this past week? So we're going to ask this question oh. or something similar to this and answer each episode. And as someone who loves a good recommendation, I am really hoping y'all provide something good. So this could be something you've read, watched, listened to, eaten, I like this seen, favorite thing. bought, everything. <laughs> Mike, who wants wanna, to go first? You want to go first? I know mine. Come on. I was just in Richmond. Shout out South City Church hanging out with Jonathan Bowell and Drew Paulette. And they took me out to lunch after I preached and I got to have the, these tacos oh. from Itumama tacos. Mm. And I think they were called Quesa Berea. Oh my goodness. Ooh. And it was like this fried tortilla. Yes. Keep going with, I don't even, I don't honestly, I don't even really know what was in it. It was just, it was meat and cheese and yes. veggies. Goodness. And yes. then you like dipped them oh. in this broth. And it was... Mm, taco broth. It was amazing. 
It was like a bra. <laughs> I don't. I, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I really don't even know what it was. It was just. It's like a French dip taco. It was. Yeah. Wow. But it was. You can make a taco out of anything. It was life changing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think it is currently my like like last meal if i had to if i had to request a last meal Mm. okay i think Mm. i would choose that i hope you never have to request i I mean me too but i'm just if you do for for some reason (laughs) queso burria that sounds incredible uh you know i could go out on a limb here and say the monster rehab energy drink <laughs> no you couldn't that uh, <laughs> that i just had we would have to have an intervention to be clear you that as your favorite i i i i don't need to rehab but it's just a really delightful energy drink it's got a lot of vitamins and whatnot <laughs> no it he doesn't had, it does, had that it does. And, and two espresso, espresso shots so no. well, I mean, get ready. It's a double. So get yeah, ready, folks. So. <laughs> Who knows what's going to come next? Here we go. <laughs> sing, um, sing. <laughs> I'm going to go with, and I, ha- I haven't put this in my hands yet. So maybe I'll give like a more of a um, kind of an update favorite things later. But I just purchased for my son. And if you're listening, don't tell my son. My son Elijah is turning 12 in a couple weeks. So he's not listening. He, he's certainly not listening. No, we don't let him listen to the internet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But um, I I just bought him a kind of coming of age into manhood present for his 12th birthday. We're going to go away and do some glamping, some camping out in the uh, um, southern Appalachian Mountains. And I'm going to give him a Fisker's Norden N10 chopping axe. Man. This thing is like a... It's it like looks a, sharp. I'm looking at it. Literally. It's a sharp looking axe, Literally not sharp. just the edge, but the actual design, <laughs> the form and the function of it. That's right. It's incredible. It's it's uh, Fiskers. You may know them. You know they're stocked in Lowe's. They got the the, um, the fiberglass orange and black handles, and they've been making. They're Swedish, I think. Uh, I don't know. I'm making that up. They're they're <laughs> Norwegian of some kind, and they've Norden. been. I do know they've been doing this, uh, making things. For longer than our, our nation's been around. I think 1600s, they were making axes. So okay, I'm excited. I'm excited so to put this thing in my son's hands and then get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Clear out. <laughs> yeah. It's an heirloom, though. Like, my idea here is that one day he might he might give this to his son mm. or That's buy awesome. his son a matching one. I might buy myself one, too. Mm. Holly, what about you? Well, um, speaking of Swedish... Axes. Speaking of Swedish axes. Um, I just finished a novel called Anxious People by Frederick Backman. I feel like I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. He's a Swedish author. He wrote um, A Man Called Uwe, which I always thought was Ove, but it's Uwe. um, I've heard it both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Anxious People, I think, is his most recent novel, and it was so good. So good. We read it um, in my book, For a club. book club. Yeah, and we rank our books on a scale of one to ten, and multiple people gave it tens. Wow! Multiple. Wow. Some someone gave it a two, so it was a really good conversation. But don't listen to that too. Listen yeah, to my they don't, they don't ten, nine. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know anything. Yeah, it was so good. It's a beautiful exploration, and um, it's like a reading experience. I was listening to the end of it. So I had to finish it by book club and I had to stop. I was like on a walk with the stroller. I had to stop in the middle of the Huckleberry trail mm. and just like take it in. It was so good. I highly recommend it. You Bought gave it, it a nine. 
I gave it a nine. It's very hard for me to give a 10. Yeah. yeah. 10 should be rare. Ten, yeah. 10 super rare, but nine is And if you're, high if you gave it a two and you're listening, shame. shame. <laughs> for shame. shame. For shame. We'll link to these. We'll <laughs> link to these favorite things in the show notes. Uh, I don't know how to link to your queso meat <laughs> French dip taco, but uh, we'll link to the axe. I'll the link book. it. You'll link it, okay? We'll find All that right. French dip taco. <laughs> okay. Let's just at least get get us a picture in there. Uh, hey, let's do some uh, updates about what's going on in the Bonhoeffer House. We're really excited about this winter. One of the things we're excited about is our end of the year matching gift campaign. We we had two donors give twenty five thousand dollars total, not not each. Praise God. Yeah, for a yes. uh, for an end of the year matching gift campaign, and so we're going to be launching that in December. Uh, actually, we'll launch that on Giving Tuesday, which is November twenty. Nope, it's coming up. It's coming up. It's the <laughs> Tuesday after Thanksgiving, probably right about when 30th. this episode comes out. The thirtieth, the twenty thirtieth, uh, and you know, you know. Um, we hope you who are listening appreciate that we don't do advertising. We don't do this episode is brought to you by. We don't interrupt the episode to give you a, a quick ad. We, we don't do, have. We don't. Go we ahead. do ask for sponsorships. We will. Yeah. Ta- I, I'll take Kroger, a Monster Energy drink sponsorship Monster any day. Energy. Fiskers. I'll go out and, and uh, pack a tree down for a Fisker sponsorship. <laughs> but but uh, we don't do Patreon. Uh, we don't have fans. Patreon. I think is how you pronounce it. <laughs> I think Patreon is a Pokemon. <laughs> What do you guys think about podcasts having fans? I was listening to podcasts. I start finally started listening to other people's podcasts. <laughs> wow. Recently? Recently. <laughs> and one of the strangest things for me has been um, when they call their listeners their fans. Are you Who does that? Are you I, calling I, anyone out? I, I don't feel comfortable calling people out. All right. yeah. But like even smaller like Christian podcasts... We'll call, like us, we'll call their their <laughs> listeners their hey, fans. fans. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, back. Our fans can get a T-shirt if they, you know, oh. sign I up just... for Patreon. <laughs> and so, I, <laughs> am I just a grumpy old man if that they catch I catch a Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a Pokemon thing, right? That you're talking about uh, catching yeah. one. Yeah. Am I just a grumpy old man? Should Should we have fans? What do you guys think about that? I I called them our friendos. Before friendos. we started, friendos. <laughs> I, I like pals. friendo and pal better yeah. than fan. I like friends. I like friends. fans. I like you know. You like fans? I don't know. You want to have fans? No, we, we, no, that scares me. We can't really have fans doing no. what we're doing. No, I don't. Think. I think it depends what the podcast is, and yeah. if it's more of a brand thing, like if you know, okay. followers. Uh, I think friends is where we should land. I think people that call i think podcasters that call their listeners fans should get off my off my lawn you know you can <laughs> unsubscribe are you doing no like, one's forcing gr- you to listen you know what grinds my gears type of thing right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm always one just one thing away from getting into what grinds my gears yeah. <laughs> anyway we don't do that much. we don't do that but we do do oh no <laughs> But we do. This is the espresso. <laughs> it's the monster <laughs> plus the espresso. Uh, <laughs> we do end of the year. Why did all three campaigns. of us laugh at that? <laughs> okay. He said, oh, no. Okay. You know, we'll link to that. He immediately so said, you oh, are no. listening and you're like, listen, I appreciate these guys don't do advertising, but I'm interested <laughs> in, the, in the ministry and the work of the Bonhoeffer House, and I want to give to that. Please, please do match that giving campaign. Hey, a couple more things we got coming up. 
I'm really excited about this, Dr. Lederbach, who is a uh, professor of ethics and philosophy at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, has a new book that just came out on ethics um, as worship. He is going to be coming to Roanoke, Virginia for a in-person ethics hybrid class that we're doing in partnership with Southeastern Seminary, May 20th and 21st of 2022. I'm really excited about this. We're hoping to pack this class out both for credit and for auditors. So if you, that's a Friday, it'll be Friday afternoon and evening, and then an all day Saturday, late May. Check out bonhofferhouse.com slash ethics hybrid. There'll be a link in the show notes and you can request more information about that. Now let's talk a little bit about these mini series we've got coming up. We're doing one right now on craftsmanship. You're listening to the first of our craftsmanship mini series. Well, the, yeah, the second you're right. I think my farming is farming really yeah. craftsmanshipy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but but this is the episode where we're really introducing the, the concept of craft and That's craftsmanship. Right. We've got a really interesting lineup coming up. We've got just to name a few of the folks coming up. We've got Dylan Dent. Today we've got um Chris Barclay, a fly rod maker based out of North Carolina. We've got uh Matthew Cox, a cabinet maker and trim carpenter, and Julie L. Sears coming up, a painter and maybe one or two more guests. We also are going to be doing one on the future of theological training, mm -hmm. which is really kind of focusing on our uh, practice of the quill, uh, wielding the pen. And so we're, we've got some interesting guests lined up for that. And then our final mini-series of season two will be on hospitality, the idea of life together and welcoming people in to community. Now, today... Here we are, we're in craftsmanship, and I want to kick us off by asking you guys what craftsmanship means to you. What do you think craft is? Currently, in my season of life, craft equates to glitter and mm. watercolors and crayons dumped all over my living room floor. So but can we get a real quick um, sure. pronunciation on crayon? Crayon. 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 So, so is that just Crown. like a single syllable for yeah, you, Holly? Crayon. Crayon. <laughs> Crayon. Okay. <laughs> Duh. I always thought it was a it was two, Crayon. two syllable. Crayon. And I it's think like people Patreon. say crown too. <laughs> it's like Patreon. People say crown. <laughs> Patreon. That's like that's chaos. Yeah. <laughs> crayon. Crown. Crayon just feels like an easier way to say it. Yeah. Crayon. Yeah. It certainly is better is than crown. Crown. Anyway. Anyway. Lots of crayons on mm. my floor and. Um, yeah, but I, I would think, I think of craft as the creation of something out of nothing or the betterment of something um, by use of like, I don't know, when I think of craft, I think of like someone using their hands to create. Mm. That's good. Michael, what do you got? You know, it, what comes to mind for me is uh, craft, food, and drink. Mm. Um, um, like. Craft coffee, craft beer, craft French dip tacos, French dip quesadilla. <laughs> so uh, I, th I think in line with that is um, a attention to mm. your work. Um, so in in craft coffee, you you are paying attention to everything that goes into the making of a cup um, from the farmer. And, and the land and, and how the bean is grown to the, the roast, or, or actually even before that, to the to process of uh, 
of, of processing the bean to the roast of the, the bean. So just attention to detail, I think, um, is what comes to mind. That's great. I like that. I think, you know, when we, when, so as we're exploring this mini series on craftsmanship, what you guys are describing is, I think, what, what uh, we're trying to accomplish with the Bonhoeffer House. This is part of why we wanted to do this, is craftsmanship is how we're exploring the uh, practice of wielding the hammer. So when you think about the hammer and the quill, you're thinking about um, getting better at what you do, making things, uh, attention to detail. Um, I'm going to define craft as uh, making objects or artifacts with a dedication to excellence and honesty. Now, I think in, in a, as we explore this together, that that craftsmanship is not an either or. So it's not either you are a, um, you know, a workman or a craftsman. You know, it's not it's not only someone with an MFA in, in uh, you know, masters in fine arts and painting, that's a painter or, or that's that, that should aspire to craftsmanship in their painting. Um, so should Kevin who painted our, our house. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's, there's, a, there's something about attention to detail. Uh, there's something about um, honesty. There's something about integrity and excellence that is, um, it, it is not only in the fine arts or not only in um you know, specialized kind of sub, you know, high, high spheres of elites, but really all of us, this, so this is why I think our listeners, all of you, we hope will benefit from these conversations because we think we can all become a bit more of a craftsman at whatever vocation God has for us. Mm. Uh, and that through that we can become more virtuous and live a more integrated and good life. So let me do like a quick, uh, I'm going to do a quick history of craft so in our kind of English Anglo tradition, the word has an interesting history. So if you think about someone being crafty or, or um, um, craftiness, what comes to mind? The snake in yeah. the garden. The snake was more crafty than all the serpent, more crafty than all the other animals. That's right. Uh, or you think of witchcraft. Mm. Mm. Or you think of um, statecraft, which would be a kind of like, uh, um, you know, Sun Tzu or uh, or Machiavellian sort mm. of manipulation in order to to get to power. get what you're yeah to, get, to gain power or whatever you're trying to gain. We know of craftsmanship in part in our kind of modern cultural moment because of the arts and crafts movement of the late 19th and early 20th century. So you know um, you think about John Ruskin or William Morris. Morris uh, started at furniture company that's still making furniture. Hmm. Uh, of course, Frank Lloyd Wright would have been right in the heart of this. So if you if you think about Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, architecture or furniture or design, uh, he kind of, I would say, maybe in an American sense, embodies the arts and craft movement. They, 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 it was a reform movement. So if you think about that particular cultural moment, it's right at the heart of industrialism. And uh, so there's a lot of different kind of strands of this, but it was aimed at really a societal change. So their leaders believed that the machine of industrialized labor and production was dehumanizing and resulted in inferior products. So they were trying yeah. to kind of unite form and function, um, uh, beauty and utility through the care and time that was only possible by a kind of hands-on expertise. So for them, and I think also for us, craftsmanship stands in opposition to just a kind of showy ornamentalism or a pure utilitarianism. Like, 
um, you know, this is just something we have to do, so we do it, or this is something that's just meant to look good, but doesn't have anything kind of, there's nothing in the essence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I used to, you know, uh, make fun of a friend of mine who was, who worked out all the time, but he couldn't <laughs> lift anything, you know, like show muscles, show muscles, right? <laughs> yeah. So th- that kind of a thing. So I won't, I won't name him <laughs> though. I was tempted, uh, <laughs> As a reform movement, they sought to recapture something of the of the integrity of the craftsmen guilds of medieval times. So, mm. you, you know, like um, you would be a blacksmith and you'd be part of the guild of blacksmiths, mm. uh, which, by the way, is is basically what we're trying to do with the Bonhoeffer House, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Form guilds. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We're That's our to- new tagline, I think. <laughs> Forming guilds. We are trying to be. We are trying to be a guild, right? Aren't, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. I think about this a lot. Like what we're trying to do. Even the idea of like the craft beer or craft coffee world is that yeah. um, they become there, there's a there's a sort of culture that's being formed. Yeah. Where attention to detail, excellence in production, um, care for. Well, anyway, we'll get into all of this. So, uh, in our particular cultural moment, we think craftsmanship has much to offer for those attempting to live the good life. And we want to recapture some of the integrity of those craftsman gills, even for us in this moment, right? So let me throw out a few th- reasons I think craftsmanship is important for us as Christians, uh, recapturing the idea of a dedication to a craft. Number one, and I'm, I'm going to just list off a few and then ask you guys to add some of your own. I think it honors God because God created us and our universe for our good and his glory. And he, he created from nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So you have in, in, the, in the creation story this picture of God taking an idea and then making it take form, right? So God ca- has a divine counsel within himself, our triune God, and then brings forth creation out of love. And so, so when, we, when we are making, when we're creating, when we're, when we're, really uh, dedicated to craftsmanship and bringing something into the world through our work, we are imaging God. We're, we're living out in a way that honors God, our, our image as his creation. So it honors God. Second, honesty. So I think our work is meant to have integrity and congruence. Uh, let me throw a few ways out. Between the worker and the work, right? So between who I am and what I do or being and doing, there ought to be a and honesty, so that the work that I create is coming from uh, who I am. I'm not. I'm not putting this on, or I'm not trying to uh, be crafty in the in the bad sense. But this is actually coming from who I am. This work has integrity with the worker and with his or her tools. So, um, you know, you think about uh, uh, tools. A tool can be an honest tool, mm-hmm. meaning it is it is what it's meant to be. It's it does what it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, if a if a if a level is no longer level, it's it's no longer true. Right. And so I think our tools and our work and our essence, our person, they are meant to have integrity. And so we develop a kind of honesty when we devote ourselves to craftsmanship. I think also that there's an honesty between the worker and our neighbor. Uh, in other words. This thing that I'm that I'm making, whether it's a, a hamburger or um, glitters and crayons or <laughs> a meal for my family yeah. or um, yeah. or a sermon on a Sunday morning, 
this is true. This is something that that actually loves our neighbor well because it is authentically true. It, it, it testifies to what is true, good, and beautiful. And honestly, between the work or the beginning and the end, our work and our telos or our aim, that there's, um, when we practice craftsmanship, our work then is, is, is meant to honor God. So we think about uh, Luther when he was asked by a cobbler if the cobbler should put crosses on, mm-hmm. the, on his shoes as a way to honor God. He says, no, uh, don't, don't put crosses on the shoes. Just make good shoes. Yeah. Because making good shoes, the, if the telos or the aim of that is to honor God and to love your neighbor as a means to that aim, uh, then your, your, your work, when you make good shoes and you're not just sort of using cut rate glue or whatever, you know, cobbler would, would do to make bad shoes, it is honest and it honors God. So honors God, honesty, quality, and excellence. So Second Peter 1, 3 through 6 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, which is a Greek word for arate, which is, can be also translated virtue, his own excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue or excellence, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and on and on. And so uh, when, we, when we devote ourselves to a craft, and when we think about our vocation as a craft to continually get better at, then we become, we, we produce at a higher level, we become more excellent. Uh, this actually forms virtue in us, because when you are trying to make a meal, and you're trying to make it well with excellence, it requires planning. It requires uh, thinking ahead. It requires patience. It requires problem solving. It and it actually makes demands on on us as the as the maker, right? So um, it requires growth in the fruits of the spirit. I got to become more patient when when I'm making something because uh, with excellence because it takes time. Mm-hmm. It also makes us more loving. And so when you think about virtue formation, because I have to put myself in the place of someone else so that I can think about how this thing that I'm making is going to, is going to benefit them. And so that's another benefit, another way that virtue is formed in us. I think too, that Christians ought to be known for excellence. And so I think a a kind of rededicating to craftsmanship in our work is something that uh, promotes the gospel because Christians ought to be known for excellence, not, not mediocrity. Mm. Let me ask you guys a question here. Have you guys seen examples of, uh, when you think about Christian kind of subculture, the weird Christian subculture, uh, where have you seen examples of mediocrity? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to call out anybody, <laughs> but, or excellence. This is a hard question this is to a hard not throw, okay. throw people I'm going to throw someone on. under the bus. When okay. I was a kid growing up, I really loved music and i grew up in the late 80s early 90s and i was listening to like like i was really all the way in on two really strange genres and this was listen i was not a christian and so the two genres i was in on were like gangster rap mm-hmm. and um and grunge rock okay and so my friends christian parents me too me too <laughs> <laughs> 
Remember, we need to be honest. <laughs> My friend's Christian parents gave me tape cassettes. Uh-huh. Look it up if you don't know what they are, listeners. <laughs> of, I think my um, parents had those. Oh, ouch. <laughs> of uh, Petra. Uh-huh. And said, this is, this is a lot like Pearl Jam. Yeah. And DC Talk. Yeah. As if yeah. DC Talk was <laughs> yes. going to be a lot like, you know, NWA or Dr. Dre. <laughs> yeah. And I got to tell you, it was mediocre. <laughs> okay, I'm not rocking with freak? Petra or Jesus Freak. No, oh. no, <laughs> no. Okay, so, so like the idea of uh, kind mm. of playing catch up and being less than, uh, and you know, I just to their credit, they're producing actually high quality music. It was just sort of a, you know, it felt like in that particular cultural moment, the evangelical subculture was trying to play catch up or trying mm. to sort of, um, you know cookie cutter uh, a clone that was like that but christian and it was always mediocre i thought but Mm. of course there's excellence now i put it anyway (laughs) any thoughts there from you guys i think you know when i think of craftsmanship um i think of creativity and the fact that you know like you were saying jesse we were made in the image of a creative god um but I think that there comes season. So, so I, I try to think like, where am I a craftsman in my life, craftswoman in my life? And, you know, in this season, a lot of that's in my home and, um, I can feel the temptation, especially by culture to throw that sort of to the side and make excuses of how excellence isn't necessary. And there are for sure seasons where, you know, it's not going to always be excellent. Um, but remembering that God has, um, me in a place and in a season for his glory, whatever that looks like. So, you know, I think about cooking meals, like we were talking about so often I can be tempted to just, you know, throw whatever on my family's plates. Um, even though it's something that I find a lot of joy in and, and find it as an outlet to be creative and to serve and to bring glory to God through food and gathering people around the table. So sometimes I think that, you know, we can get caught up in that excellence can be thought of as like a sacrifice. Like you're like, you have to sacrifice something else to get excellent sacrifice, like ministry to get excellence when excellence can be ministry because, you know, if God made us in his image and he's creator, creating with excellence is glorifying God. And so, um, yeah, it's an encouragement to me thinking personally to, to strive for that. Mm. Got mm. anything you can think about here, Michael, either mediocrity or excellence? Well, it's hard. I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's hard for me to compare kind of Christian subculture and normal culture because yeah. there's examples of of both excellence and well, let's talk about excellence mediocrity where, in both where you have know? you seen excellence uh i i love music so i i i agree with well, this is the music episode so i i think i think there's some really excellent musicians who are following jesus or yeah. or i mean i don't know them but are claiming Proclaim, to yeah. follow jesus um I really enjoy like who, yeah, yeah. I, I think Andy Minio is excellent at his craft. Yeah. Um, I think John Foreman is excellent at his mm-hmm. craft. Um, I think 
uh, I think his name's Chad Gardner from King's Kaleidoscope is excellent at his craft. Um, so those those guys, John Mark guy, McMillan. He's the guy that did the theme song, he did. The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. <laughs> it was, How it was, a, it was a standalone <laughs> song at one point, but now it is forever, that song. Yeah, John Mark McMillan, I think, is hmm. uh, Josh Garrels. Oh, yes. Um, so there's a lot of examples, and there are, there are plenty of examples on the other end of the spectrum who... Yeah, but, let's, not, but, let's not hate. I already hate it. Let's just... Yeah. <laughs> I just would say I think they're doing pop Christian stuff in the same way that plenty of artists are doing pop secular stuff. That's right. There's mediocrity, and pop doesn't equal me- mediocre. Right, right. But... Necessarily. But a lot of it with that... A lot of it that's formulaic yeah. and... And and doesn't include the things that you're talking about, the honesty and um, you didn't say vulnerability, but that's kind of part of honesty. Um, if if it's not, uh, if there's no congruence with who I am and what's coming out in the song, um, and I think Dylan gets into that in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if there, you can tell, you can tell as a listener if. If you you didn't actually write this or like put any of your your blood or sweat or tears into this, it's just a formula. The listener can tell, and and so, um, but yeah, I think I think uh, uh, there's I think there are great um, Christian preachers and writers as well. I think there's some some excellence in uh, those categories. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. No, that's good. That's good. Let me throw a few out there too. Like, because this episode where I talked to Dylan Dent about making music actually got me thinking about how I pretty much just stopped listening to Christian rap music, most, most Christian music in general, but, um, hip hop, I just stayed away from. And, uh, Charles Wilson, my friend up at, uh, the Hill in Roanoke was like, you know, there's a lot of good artists out there. And I was like, like Toby Mac, Toby Mac, <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. Like, like, like no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Um, so I, so I, he helped me curate a list. So now I'm gonna brag on no big deal. You mentioned Annie Minio, Lecrae, KB, yeah, um, John Keith, Derek Minor, Cannon. Anyway, there's some good artists out there that are making actually high quality. They, they there's a craftsmanship. They've got a guild. And they are. And they do. Indie Tribe. That's Indie no big tribe. deal. That's right. That's right. So uh, we, should be known, we should be known for excellence. Uh, Triple E, that's right. We should be known mm, for excellence. Yeah. Uh, one, a few other things. Uh, when we pursue excellence and craftsmanship, there's a way in which we're following an Ephesians 5.1 um, uh, encouragement challenge to imitate God. Uh, because imitating God requires a commitment to quality and excellence in our work, no matter what our work is. Uh, also, let me throw this out there because any conversational craftsmanship without a Wendell Berry quote would be mm. just a little bit empty here. He's got this uh, this essay titled Horse-Drawn Tools and the Doctrine of Labor Saving, <laughs> where he essentially explains why he uh, decided when he bought more land in Port Royal, Kentucky, he wasn't going to buy a tractor, but instead bought horses, mm. horses. Mm. Um, and so he said this, the coming of the tractor made it possible for a farmer to do more work, but not better. And he says, moreover, as the speed has increased, care has tended to to decline. He tells a story of another farmer who, uh, was lamenting how, how nowadays, 
uh, a farmer would buy a property and then just go out the next day with his tractors and just sort of just start running roughshod over the whole thing and planting things just whatever wherever he just seemed to think it should go and would just sort of manipulate the land and how old timer old timers would spend some time living there first and they would get to know the land and they'd figure out like how the water flowed and where you know what the soil was like in different parts of the land and then they would plant accordingly and that the speed that comes with uh, kind of modern work often just sort of cuts that step right out craftsmanship helps us to slow down and mm. escape the trap of a hurried life it gets us it helps us to get to know our communities our people that we're working for people that we're working with um, another thing I want to throw out there is avoids the sin of chronological snobbery. That's a term that C.S. Lewis coined in his intro to Athanasius's On the Incarnation, where he talks about how we, we actually have more in common with our enemies today and in this particular moment than we do with our allies from hundreds of years ago. Mm. And, and that really that the kind of secularization of our culture is is right along congruent with this idea that it's always getting better, that we're kind of progressing towards utopia. And so we look backwards and think, well, we're way better than them. Um, when in reality, we might not be, and we share some of the same sins of even the worst uh, of our particular cultural moment. And so if we apprentice ourselves into a craftsman guild, whether we're a, a baker or a lawyer or a pastor or a mom, uh, What's happening is we're, we're connected into a great tradition of vocational excellence where we, we learn from not just people that are doing things better and faster and with more technological advancement. We actually learn from people who are doing the same thing in ways that were maybe better, even if slower, a thousand years ago. And so I, I, think, it, I think it helps us there, helps us to live an integrated life. Any other benefits you guys are hoping to explore in this series? I think you nailed it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, attention to detail in, in a hurried world is really important. And then I think, uh, uh, and I don't know if you mentioned this already, but it, connection to uh, real life, <laughs> yeah, things yeah. that are tangible and practical in a world that's becoming more and more digitalized and uh, more and more virtual. Yeah. Um, oh, I did. You know what I said in the in our pre kind of our, our conversation before recording that it helps us to reject the Cartesian <laughs> mind matter split. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. oh, What's Cartesian. that mean? <laughs> and so what I mean by that is uh, um, this idea that like, I think therefore I am Yeah. that, uh, that we are nothing more than what um, Jamie Smith. And actually I think it was Matthew Crawford who probably said it first. Uh, and I'll, I'll mention his book later, but uh, that we're just sort of brains on a stick. Mm -hmm. That what's most essential to us is just what's floating around in our in our thoughts, which I think in our in our current moment where we're getting more and more meta, right? We're we're about to have like a whole generation of people that grow up in the metaverse, that grow up on you know basically living their lives in this kind of virtual reality. Mm -hmm. But virtual reality is not the same thing as real reality. Yeah. And so I think cr uh, craftsmanship does help root us in the, the actual uh, physical world that, yeah. you know, we, we aren't just matter. We're not, it's not, a, you know, I wouldn't think craftsmanship needs to, you know, locate our worldview in some kind of materialistic worldview, meaning just material, but, but it's integrated. Yeah. And so, and so I do think it helps us not to just kind of float away into 
you know, Mark Zuckerberg's meta metaverse. <laughs> Stay out of the metaverse. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, listen, <laughs> listeners, I'm I'm glad that you fans out there. <laughs> uh, friendos. 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 I hope that this series is helpful to you. And we will continue to kind of jump back into some of these and more benefits of attention to detail, making things with a dedication to excellence and uh, and really a slowed down life. And so, and we hope that in this interview with Dylan Dent, you'll be, you'll, it'll benefit you as you hear how uh, Dylan has worked hard at his craft as he's kind of developed his skills and his calling as a musician to God's glory. So I will catch you on the other side. See you on the other side. See you on the other side. Well, we're back here at the Hammer and Quill season two, episode number two. So glad to be meeting up here in Roanoke, Virginia with my friend Dylan Dent. Hi. Dylan, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? What's up? We're here. It's a beautiful, beautiful day in November. It's hot. It's hot, especially where we are right now. We're in this <laughs> lobby of the Hill Church. Listen, the Hill Church is part of the connection, Dylan. Uh, I've known you since you were in college, but now you're serving at the Hill Church, uh, a, a church plant that's also a multi-site church plant. So who's ever heard of a multi-site church plant? We're sitting here in the North Building. Not me. Not me. Uh. Charles and Trené Wilson, our friends. But Dylan, I'm so glad to have you with us today. Dylan, I've known you since you were in college, uh, back in your crew at Radford University days, yeah. uh, part of the, the church that where I pastor, Valley Bible Church in Radford. And we wanted to have you on here as we uh, begin a series on craftsmanship because you are a craftsman. Now, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Who are you? Who's Dylan Dent? Hey, I'm Dylan Dent. Um, I do a lot of things, but I'm here because I make uh, music. Um, So that's what I do. I don't know if there's much more that needs to be said. <laughs> what kind of music do you make, Dylan? Uh, lots of lots of different types. Lots and lots of of different types and blending of different types. I was walking through like ideas today to see if I could, you know, jot up a couple of songs or just expand on them, and they are all over the place. Yeah, uh, you you've got a kind of um, musical style that is hard to uh, attach a genre to. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I, I always, people always ask me, well, what kind of music do you make? And I really don't want to sound pretentious when I'm just like, man, you just got to experience it. You just got to experience it. You just got to live in it. It's kind of the easiest way to do it. Yeah, because you've got some kind of like hip hop flow going on, but you also have the, um, you, even back when I knew you, you're playing the acoustic guitar, and I was listening to your most recent production, which just came out like a week ago. Yeah. And it gets a little more experimental in there on yeah. a few songs. Yeah. So you just listen. You just got to experience it. You just got to listen to Dylan's music. Now, 
Uh, we wanted to have you on the podcast because you are a friend. You're 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 grinding and working, and and we are doing this mini series on craftsmanship because uh, with the Bonhoeffer House, we one of our practices that we we really prioritize as part of our method is ministry apprenticeships. So we have our own kind of a presupposition that ministry ought to be thought of as a craft, not just uh, not just knowledge to acquire, but a skill to develop. Uh, and that ministry is challenging and uh, leadership is challenging. And so uh, we wanted to we wanted to really explore what folks who are we, we think are true craftsmen are are doing, how they develop as craftsmen, what their tips and tricks and tools of the trade are, and 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 really in hopes that uh, we might grow within the Bonhoeffer House and that our listeners could benefit from that. Now, uh, in preparing for this mini-series, I have been reading a book by a guy named Peter Korn. That's Korn with a K, like the band. <laughs> I don't know, Dylan, can you call Korn a band? Is that the right... I, I, that's how I've always the musical group. Them. Yeah, yeah, the rock band. I'm not. I'm not super familiar with Corn. If I'm yeah. going to show my, you know, yeah, colors. you've got a lot of genres going on, but not, not Corn with a K. No, I I think they're just a little bit before my time. Like I just got into Radiohead. <laughs> okay, okay, like yeah, earlier so. this year, deep into Radiohead, I know about them, but yeah, deep into Radiohead. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, you got to ask when someone's deep in Radiohead. So he's got a book called Why We Make Things and Why It Matters, The Education of a Craftsman. And in it, he says, um, he describes his own story and, and really coming to grips with, he says this, making things with a commitment to quality, his presupposition is, would lead to a good life. And making things with a commitment to quality is, uh, it's kind of his definition of craftsmanship. Uh, the, the commitment to quality and the creative process, the making things with the commitment to quality. And so watching you uh, in your musical journey, I have noticed a development, a commitment to quality, and certainly a creative part of that. So we're excited to talk. Cool. We're excited to talk. So talk to me about what aspect of music came most naturally to you. Mm. Um, I guess... I don't know. It depends. Uh, rhythm as a whole. And even then, that took a while, but that's like maybe the thing that I'm probably best at, if I want to be honest. I want to say it's writing. It's probably rhythm. Okay. Um, so that, yeah. Describe that to me what that means, that rhythm came naturally. Just I, like... Talk to a guy who's rhythm challenged. Yeah, so this. like, I mean... You can know music and you can be really good at like replaying other people's music and stuff. But when it comes to like making music, having the same four chords that a lot of other people have, but arranging them in your unique way, like I'm actually pretty decent at that. Because if you look, you know, for musicians and, you know, theory heads, if you look at like just like the chords and even the structures or whatever that I'm using, they're not unique. They're pretty basic stuff and pretty basic progressions. I just happen to do things in my specific time, and I think that's interesting. I like that. I like that. So rhythm has come the most naturally to you. What about what, what's taken you the most practice? Um, embellishing. Okay, talk, talk to me a, about that. As a musician, because I don't consider myself like that great of a musician. I'm probably the worst musician I know. 
Um, so like doing like anything. I like promise the, you that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Um, but keep going. Okay. But like just like embellishing finger picking, like um, you know, playing piano solos. Anything that's basically not like rhythm progression, like how do we start the song? It goes here, it goes there. The melody can go like this, and then like boom, we're done. If you listen to like a lot of my songs, they just kind of go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, end. And I don't do a lot of pre-choruses, and I don't do a lot of other stuff like that. Okay. Um, okay. So now you're talking about rhythm and and um, and as far as what comes natural, would you say like if if someone's listening to you? Do you think that that's obvious? I, so let, let me actually back up and say, as I listen to you, I'm not surprised to hear you say rhythm comes naturally, that um, there's something to your uh, your flow that feels on time that is, uh, would you say that's... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm and I'm pretty, I'm just, I like it. I'm like a drummer that can't play drums. <laughs> so then I just try to make everything else into a drum. Okay. All right. What 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 do you would you say when it comes to music is the most uh, life giving part of your work? Um, probably writing. I like writing the most. Uh, writing lyrics. I just like writing in general. I journal. Okay. I like writing song lyrics. I come up with like book ideas and movie ideas and stuff that I'll jot down occasionally too. So you jokes. Write, you I like writing jokes. Okay. Like. Okay. So have you have you done like stand up? Not yet. There's nowhere to do it here. That There's I, nowhere that to do I it in Roanoke. But I'm, I'm itching. Okay. I'm, I would like to try. <laughs> okay. And have you made movies? Have you made just ideas right now? They're just ideas. Okay. Because once you bring a camera involved, like you need now at least two people, right? A person in front of the camera and a person behind the camera. And then you have to worry about lighting and audio. Yeah. Which alone, like once you just do that, it's just the project gets that much bigger yeah. very quickly. What what wears you out when it comes to music and work? Um, engaging with people, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so are you like introverted? Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, I would have guessed that. But um, just like, and really just playing the game. I don't mind engaging with people. Like I, you, you asked me to do this podcast. I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And this is a cool way to engage with people. It's not always, like, I like long-form stuff. I like albums. I don't do a lot of singles. So, like, the way culture kind of is right now is just, like, not it's, it's how tra- I operate yeah. at all. It, so then quick. to try and play the game with them, it's just a little bit draining. Mm. Mm. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, when it comes to, when you think about music and you think about the craft of making music, would you include engagement with people? Obviously, that has to be part of it, doesn't it? If you, to do it at the level I aim to, yeah. Because you're not just making music. Um, let's talk about that. Who are you making music for? Uh, I guess people people like me. I don't know. Um, I, loners. Okay. I'm pretty lonerific. So, uh, you know, other people who like to put headphones on and listen to like a whole album or like an exp- a listening experience and like to get that. Um, anyone who likes to do that, I'm they'd probably like my stuff. If you just want to like a little, a little dance party or something, I'm like, I'm probably not your guy. There's yeah. plenty of people for you though. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. Listen to Drake or something. Yeah. Yeah. Drake's got bop after bop. Yeah. After bop. A lot of bops. So when you think about, uh, when you think about success in music, what do you think about for you personally? Um, I don't know. 
it's hard because there's a there's a just like oh I set out I had this idea and I brought it to fruition and it's done and that's that is a success that is a success um I would like to do this stuff full time mm. um so in order to do that there's now a monetary like baseline that I have to meet that I obviously haven't met yeah but, um but even still, I'm just like, man, if I could, if I could just do this, and then it pays for like all of the mandatory stuff that we says costs money that maybe should or should not, whatever. That's a different conversation. But, yeah, um, that'd be straight. I would actually be straight. I don't need to be like the household name guy. You'd be okay but, just making a living. Yeah. Yeah. So what does it take? I'm curious because I don't know to uh, to make a living as an independent music artist. What do you got to do? I mean, yeah, that's the, I guess that's the game until you get there. You don't really know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but, uh, cause you can do anything and that's the beauty of it. It's great. You can do anything and put it on the internet or pass it out to your friends and maybe something will hook and then you can just kind of do that thing or that will give you opportunities to do other things. At the end of the day, it's just like, as long as the money's coming in, it doesn't really matter what you're doing uh, if it allows you to do it full time, you know? Yeah, yeah. So so um, I'd love to hear about your influences as far as um, maybe start with musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may, and I'm interested in other influences that have been maybe you mentioned that you seem like you've got kind of a broad appetite for music, books, uh, maybe people influencing you, but yeah. just musically, who who influences you? Um, probably one of my biggest like people that I point to is Donald Glover. Like always, all the time, um, and uh, that he was like of, of the people that I listened to, and then I was like, oh shoot, I should maybe I should try this. It's he's at the top. Okay, but I got into like Kendrick Lamar as well, um, Lecrae and Andy Mineo have been big for me. Um, I'm naming all the people that I listened to like when I first started yeah. writing, trying to write raps. It's like them, J. Cole as well. I'm all over the place. Outkast is the, one of the biggest musical influences. Did you, um, did you listen to... Um, so Outkast, I could, I could pick up a little bit of that listening to your music. Um, any other like... So I, I was picking up on, and so maybe they're not influences, so you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I was picking up on, like, when I was a kid coming up, I was listening to Tribe Called Quest. I was listening to um, even some of those more West Coast, like, uh, um, um, oh, Farside and yeah. uh, uh, Arrested Development. Like, is any of that influencing you? Am I making things um, up? Taylor Soul? No, no, it's not out of nowhere. I always get those, and people think that I'm heavily influenced by those guys. I'm not. Like okay. I had to go back, and I started listening to Tribe like last year, and I was okay. like, oh, I see why people say okay. that. Okay. That whole, but that whole era and like sub genre of like '90s raps, where it's just like it was them. It was um, the Black Sheep had that one song that yeah. took off. The choice is yours. Yeah. That song was I was on repeat because it was okay. on a basketball video game that I would play, and I would always let the song okay. play out the entire time. Um, so yeah, I mean that style is definitely. I just think it's fun. That's good. And how about now? You mentioned Radiohead, which I, I was gonna say. Um, I think it's lost my mind on the yeah. Williamsburg sessions. This is the new new album you just released. Yeah. 
uh, I felt like, I think it's lost my mind where I was like, this sounds a little bit like, maybe not sounds like Radiohead, but there's something yeah. electronic. If you, hear the, if you hear the acoustic version of that song, you can probably hear a little bit more like the musicianship, but I, that's, it sounds like a Coldplay song as well. Cause I also love Coldplay okay. as well. Um, been a big fan, fan of theirs since the Viva La Vida album, but, um, yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Lost My Mind is a weird song. I just, I wanted to make a song in a different time signature than I usually did. And that okay. was the entire reason why I started making that song. Talk to me about your different albums you have. So, um, maybe if you could describe, uh, the weirdo, yeah. In one sentence, how would you describe it? Um, coming of age. Okay. Coming of young adulthood, too, specifically. Not even like, oh, I graduated high school. Oh, I graduated college, yeah. and now I'm just a person. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do with what that? What do I do, yeah. <laughs> Penny, for your thoughts? Um, so that's just a song. Um, that's right. Which I think is a very sad song, but people love to jam to, man, which is, you know, fun. How does that I, it's just feel? Irony. Is that... Is that weird it's weird for me i don't talk about it much because i don't want to bring people down but like the song <laughs> do you know what you're doing <laughs> i did and i did it on purpose because i was like i knew what it sounded like and without the third verse i had tacked on to the end it would have just been like a weirdly upbeat sad song where a guy is like upset because he doesn't feel adequate because he doesn't make that much money um <laughs> so I wrote, a, yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a third verse that brought it back home okay okay the weirdo too um oh gosh it's that's still fresh it's my little baby um that came out in july it came out in july yeah and I, it took about a year and a half to make so um i don't know how i would describe that in one we'll sentence. come back around to yeah. that we'll come back around to that how about the williamsburg sessions try anything try anything okay okay hey so coming back around to the weirdo too yeah um Listening to the weirdo and then listening to the weirdo too, uh, I could tell, I can tell a commitment to quality and growing and um, uh, developing your skills and, and uh, talk a little bit about like your journey and, and sharpening the tools, developing your, your talents and skills from when you first started making music to uh, just just three years between those two albums, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Just three years. Oh, 2018. Yeah. So three years and one uh, other project. So, yeah. So how, how did you develop and, ha and, and what kind of practices did you employ to, to get better, really, to just kind of grow in your craftsmanship? Um, a lot. Just like everything. Um, so I made the... The Weirdo is a amalgamation of just like a bunch of random stuff that yeah. happened to work out and I made stuff like throughout college um I like make beats in between classes and stuff and I had no plan for a full project but one one day in like 2017 or 2018 or something I was like yo I have like 10 songs here that's like an, an album that's like an album type of thing so I tried to I got them recorded and I put them out as quickly as possible because I just needed something because if you put something out there, then like, great, you can exist. You exist now as an artist because it's out there and people can consume it. And that's kind of part of the relationship. Great. Um, from there, I just wanted to get better because I didn't, I still would say like, I 
could have done better if I yeah. had taken more time. I recorded the whole first album in two sessions of like three hours or something. So it took like six hours, which is not a long time. Uh, for right. people who make music, they know that if you don't make music, recording an album in three hours is not a long time. It's not enough time. Um, so what I did was I... Wanted to do that, and I wanted to make something that at least I thought people would like, so I made nothing but something. And the, the goal there was to make more upbeat music. Um, but I also took on mixing and mastering and doing all that stuff myself. So that whole project was basically a big experiment where I got to play more with, I guess, being more charismatic on a, on a record. Hmm. Um you know, taking extra takes, taking more time to record, do, you know, do another take, do a safety take, um, getting used to mixing my vocals. I had never done that before. Um, so that was kind of like a whole like knife sharpening album. And so when I got to Weirdo 2, I was like, all right, it's time to like make the thing that everyone likes, okay. which is a very lofty, insane person goal. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I kind of set out to. I was like, if someone listens to it, the whole thing, then hopefully they will enjoy it or get something out of it. So that was kind of the goal. And it was laborious. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So t so let let us behind the, the yeah. curtain a little bit. Like when it comes to process for producing music, I mean, you did it all. Yeah. It, 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 are you even doing like the album design? Are you even putting your face on a turkey body? I mean, is that really... So that stuff was... Uh, for all of my graphics, I went to somebody else. I have okay. not learned Photoshop okay. yet. Although, um, Penny, for your thoughts, my mom took that picture okay. on an iPhone, and then I sent it to a friend, and he just put words on it. So okay. that's kind of the most intense I've been. But, but so other than the, than, than the graphic design, what t yeah. tell, tell us what the process is like. Describe it. Um, so yeah, I'll describe the weirdo, too. Uh, I guess at least yeah. uh, that one is, um, you know, I was like, it's time to, I knew it was time to dive in. So you kind of just have this feeling and that's how it is. Like when I ended the weirdo, I knew that it wasn't time to make weirdo two, So I made something else. Yeah. Um, and I was like, all right, it's time. So I go back, you dive through whatever sounds I made the weirdo two. I completely produced the thing on an iPad. Um, just kind of using loops because I hadn't worked out how to use all of the synths and stuff on GarageBand. Anyways, but uh, I made the whole thing. So I'm diving into like all of these preloaded sounds and kind of it, it becomes a, an arranging game at that point. So getting what I call like demo, basically demo beats yeah, um, of sounds that like, okay, this could be a song, that could be a song, this could be a song, that could be a song, and then making sure that they are cohesive in some way. Um, and then ironing them out about halfway. Then I make a jump into writing. Okay. Um, so then I start to write each and every song and go through the whole thing. So, And then when you're writing, you can see a theme develop if you haven't already chosen one, usually a state of mind or something like that. So, And with this one, I was like, all right, I'm going to try and go for the, the big um, overarching story kind of of an album rather than just like here are 10 songs that go together. I'm like, these all have to flow together. So it's a little self-referential. So you're writing things and you're going back to check writing that you did on other songs to make sure it matches up with the mm. other song that you just wrote. So there's like character growth and all that stuff. And it ends up being like one big monologue, hopefully. Um, 
But then after I'm done writing, I go back because I'm using these loop beats. And what I do is I, now that the song is written, I do what like a live recording because one of the things I use is like a DJ app. So you press record and then you trigger all of the sounds in real time. So for about half of those songs, it wasn't like click and drag. Like it was like really when the sound changes is because I was over my iPad and I changed it at that exact moment. And that's kind of like the only way to have done it. (laughs) And you and and you're singing or rapping over that while you're doing it? Yeah, in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm running a rap. And when I say this word, it's going to change right right then and there. you don't have to do it that way. Yeah. There are other programs, but with that specific program okay. I'm using, that's like the only way to get it done the way I want to do it. Okay. Okay. And so that's wild that you're doing that kind of in your head and you're mixing it just in real time. Yeah. And then I'll take the beats now that they're finished and the whole song is like mapped out because it's very, I'm still pretty locked in. So I'll take the finished beat with this one. I, you know, I had a Mac. I was using my own Mac, which let me use even more time. So then I'd take it, download it, put it on GarageBand, because that's the, the DAW that I use. Okay. Um, and then the beat is there, and then you just have to rap, boom, 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 and uh, hope, hope that you did it well enough to where you can keep up in your breath or take breaks where you need to take breaks or anything like that. But uh, then you do that, and then you do vocal layering and however much of that you want to do. So. So when you, you, you get to the finished product and you walk away from it and you look back uh, or you listen to it, um, describe that experience. So let me, let me say it this way. I, there are times where I build something mm-hmm. that I look at when I'm done and I'm like, man, I did it. I made that and it's, it's good. There are other times I, I make something and I look back and I think, I hope that nobody sees this. <laughs> like one time I was, uh, um, I took on this project for a friend of mine named Stacy. She was running a, a shop in downtown Radford. She's now running a, a successful kind of handmade shop in DC, multiple stores. Anyway, cool. back in the day, it was, just, it was just downtown Radford. And she wanted to do this thing where um, a local craftsman would, would make a table and chairs, like a dining room set. Mm-hmm. and um, and she knew I was like a, a woodworker, and so she asked me to do it. And I should have said no, because I never made a chair before in my life. Oh. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, totally, I can yeah, do that. start somewhere. Yeah. Well, I started and ended, because <laughs> I, it, it just, I couldn't get those chairs right. Mm. And when I finally finished, I was like, well, that'll do. But I wouldn't want to, put a picture of these chairs on social media. There was no social media back yeah. then, but yeah. I didn't want anyone to see them. I wanted just whoever got them, they could just stick them somewhere, sit on them and, and never show them to anyone else. And I'd be happy. And so for you, how do you feel looking back on your work? Um, this is the weirdos is probably the first time where I look back and I'm like, yeah, no, that I'm okay with, I'm okay with this one. You're not like seeing the flaws. You're not like, Ugh. <laughs> I could have done this here. And that's like the first thing. Maybe the 2021, I will say the year 2021 is probably the year where I started putting stuff out. And I was just like, you know what? This is good. That's good. Or at least it's good enough. Yeah. If you're a perfectionist, you sometimes you have to just tell yourself it's good enough and good enough is good. But yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of our one of our favorite things we say in the Bonhoeffer house is anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Uh, which we, you know, that's like a G.K. Chesterton quote. And 
what we don't mean by that is to put out mediocre work. Yeah. What we do mean is if it's worth doing, it's worth doing as, as well as you can do it, which sometimes just isn't as well as maybe somebody else can. But uh, we still want to be craftsmen with a commitment to quality. As you think yeah. about music, uh, I'd love to hear what kind of tips you have. Or, well, let me put it this way. Uh, tips or tools that you would recommend to a listener. So anything music related. So this could mm -hmm. be uh, programs. This could be headphones, microphones, uh, uh, even like um, tips about how you get into the creative flow, anything like that at all. Yeah. Um, I guess with music um, I, or with writing, one, you can't lie. Or you shouldn't lie. You can't lie, obviously. I you just, can. <laughs> But you shouldn't. I, like I, I recommend that you don't, and especially not to yourself. And that's hard sometimes. Um, but then with crafting it, the whole set, it's, um, you know, know what you need. Don't buy things that you want. Buy the things that you need first. Mm. Um, don't spend more than you have to. Use what you have. I always say, because um, I use GarageBand still because it works for me and it's free. And I don't want to spend money on a second workstation because I don't, I don't need one yet. Everything's working all right. And I, you know, I've always kind of said, if I was a, a manual craftsman, why would I spend money on a nice hammer when the hammer I have is doing fine? Mm. Or you don't need this big toolkit if you know how to work well. If you know that like, oh, all you got to do is turn the item over, then you don't need the special saw to get underneath the thing because you're not, your production level isn't as fast or as high as it needs to be. Don't do it. That's right. Yeah, I've been That's on some job to. sites, uh, uh, construction job sites, and the guys with the old tools are the guys that I want to work on my on my project because yeah. uh, the guys that come in with the, with the shiny new stuff, I look at them and I think, my, I don't have confidence that you know what you're doing. I have confidence that you um, want to have nice stuff. Yeah. But the guy that's, you know, he's got the the same skill set. Stuff that hasn't been updated for, in yeah. about a and decade. He's like, well, why would least. I get another one? This one works. Yeah. All right. So take care of needs first. Tell the truth. Anything else you want to share? Any particular products you like? Um, I do like the Status Audio headphones. They don't do celebrity endorsements or endorsements of any kind, really. Status um, audio. But I have literally just about every single pair of headphones that you can. I have some noise-canceling headphones from them. I have some just regular headphones from them. I use them for mixing. I use them for working out. Um, and, like, the whole thing is that it's great sound that you can afford. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes, mate. So, yeah. Status audio. Okay. Okay, any other tips and tri tricks or tools? Just don't buy into big brands. Do your research when it comes mm. to money. Do your research. Think about what you need when it comes to creativity. Don't don't lie. And um, if you're doing what you need and you're not lying about it, great. Okay, okay. Let me ask you one more question about craftsmanship and and uh, your work. What? How do you how do you practice um, rest when it comes to like you you you're working really three jobs if you include music and the, your other two jobs yeah how do you make sure that you are prioritizing rest um my mom just sent me an article this morning that i found to be affirming because i was i've been turning into like i've been saying no like a ton to just like everything um and it was like an article like 
about Warren Buffett saying uh, the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. Mm. Um, which helped me because I've just been like, why would I do that? It's not going to help me do my thing, you know? So, uh, and that kind of just helps remove a lot of unnecessary stuff. Mm. So then it's just really like, all right, the three jobs. And then I have a very high commitment to friends and family. And then besides that, you know, after I've, all those things are done, I just chill and kick back. Just chill. Let me ask you one more question about craftsmanship. Uh, talk to me about how you, how you uh, attempt to honor God in your excellence and your commitment to quality and creating things. Yeah. Um, it goes back to the honesty thing. I'm pretty adamant about being honest or like coming from an honest place, at least if everything's not 100% real, but uh, otherwise fiction wouldn't exist. But coming from an honest place just because uh, I feel as if I was put on earth to be like an intersection of a lot of different people groups, Um, which means to some some people I'm not always going to look that great and to some people I'm going to look great. So making sure that I am honoring God and making sure that I'm not lying or being dishonest about like, hey, I suck at this thing though. Or like, I'm not perfect. That's a trap that I, well, I don't know if I'd call it a trap, but that's not an area I want to find myself where people think of me as like a perfect person. Mm. Mm. I like that honesty. And by the way, I do think even when it comes to fiction, even when it comes to creating movies, music, honesty and truth, uh, you can make true fiction, right? Or, or honest fiction. Yeah. Uh, you can, you can, you can, um, your posture towards what you're creating being honest, I think, is an excellent, excellent aim. One that uh, that I think that all of our listeners could apply. I, I know I can. So let me uh, ask you one last question before we get into our lightning rounds. Uh, is there anything I should have asked you but I didn't, Dylan? Um, I don't know. <laughs> no. I'm no. Say no. You got yeah, it. yeah. Like Warren Buffett, you got to say no, yeah. man. You got to say no. So we like to close our interviews with a lightning round where I ask you just some random questions. And the whole idea here, Dylan, is that you do not think too hard about this. Just what comes to mind. Okay. Throw it out there. What is the best movie or show you've watched in the last month? Month? You thought I was going to... Dune, let's go. Man. I love the Dune a lot. Did you watch the first one? Did you read the book? Nope. I just, I'm a fan of the movie, it's the okay. director and the actors in it. And I was yeah. like, I'm just going to experience this Dune for what it is. That's so good, isn't it? And then I'm going to go experience all the other stuff after that, you know, they're done doing. They're You're going to go back and watch the old one? I'll probably go back and watch the old one and I might, I it's might good. get the audio book if I'm enthralled enough. But. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be, well, I won't say you'll be disappointed. There's probably people that love the old one. I think Sting's in it. <laughs> uh, David Lynch, the director of the old one is, he's weird. Anyway, moving on. Best book you've read in the last, say, year? I don't read books. That okay. Much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Best book you've listened to? I, I don't just, listen to I books. I just don't do a lot of reading. I don't even know the last book that I read. I mean, it's probably Mere Christianity. This might be the last thing that I finished in the past year, but that took like forever. Okay. I don't remember reading anything in 2020. Okay. Okay. How about album? or podcast you've listened to that you would recommend? 
Just like period? Yeah, it's just recently. Um, I love Dissect Podcast. They um, are dope and have helped me uh, out with making music a lot. It is a long-formed music dissection. So they just go through an album and like one song per episode. It's like an hour for one song that they wow. dissect. Um, and they've done like Frank Ocean and Tyler Creator and Kendrick Lamar. And uh, they're doing Mac Miller right now. So bunch of bunch of crazy stuff. Learned a lot from them. Love love dissect podcasts. Okay, okay. What's on your nightstand? Nightstand, phone wallet, keys, retainer. I um, keep that retainer close, man. My comic book collection because it's very small. Okay. Uh, my movie ticket stubs. You collect. Knife. You collect. Mo- I keep all my movie ticket stubs. I have kept almost every movie ticket stub since the Chronicles of Narnia. Wow. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, mind you. Okay, the first. <laughs> If I visit Roanoke, where do I have to? I know where to go. <laughs> if if our listeners visit the beautiful city, small city of Roanoke, Virginia, where do they need to go to eat, and what should they order? Um, I recommend everyone go to Farm Burguesa. Farm Burguesa. Um, that's a burger place. So We're, if you don't I like burgers, to, to get a Farm then maybe not Farm Burguesa, and maybe go to R and D for some coffee or something. They got coffee and sandwiches. But um, if you go to Farm Burguesa, I'm lame and get like the Western burger at just about every burger place. But if you go there and you've never been before, get like the Colombiana or or something fancy. The, their whole thing is that they have like Colombian themed or burgers. I guess. Yeah. Um, so it's, they're dope. I like that place. A lot. All right. Farm Brigade check it out. R&D for coffee. Hit them up. What kind of snack or treat would you want people to give you as a gift? Ooh. Um, I don't do a lot of snacks and treats. I like you don't brown- eat snacks? No. I eat carrots and grapes and <laughs> apples for snacks. Um, so just I'm some not carrots. a chip guy. Uh, if you want to give me a treat, I like oatmeal raisin cookies and I okay. like brownies. There we um, go. There we go. What's the most, last question. Uh, What's the most magnificent animal you've ever seen in person, not in the zoo? In person? Yeah. Just like I could have, oh, I could have touched it. Well, Um, I don't know. I don't know how close you got (laughs) to get it. Um, Gosh, I guess a bear. I saw a bear. I like bears. I like bears. Um, I have an octopus tattooed on my arm, but I've never seen like an octopus. You weren't like you weren't swimming and saw an octopus. No, no. But you saw a bear. I saw a bear in my friend's backyard in Vinton. <laughs> okay, you know, recently I was on the New River with a bunch of guys. We were kayaking, and there was a bear uh, that jumped in and swam right in front of us across oh, wow. the New River, and I like had a rush of adrenaline and courage, and and I just paddled right up to that thing. And the closer I got, the more I started to realize that maybe I shouldn't. Don't do that. I should, don't, <laughs> don't do that. And so I, th- I got close, and then I, and then I stopped, and and I got scared. But it was really cool to see, magnificent yeah. creature. I'll agree with you on that. Let's let our listeners know as we close our time together, where people can go to find out more about you, where they can listen to your work. Send them on, Dylan. Um, probably best places to get to know me, learn about me is probably Instagram. I use that one maybe the most. And even in that, I would say hit up that link. My link tree is, is I got it on lock. It's got just about everything I've done for the past year and a half. There's like 
multiple live performances. I did there's like a 90 minute performance that is recorded that you can watch. There's another hour long performance. There's the other podcasts I've been on and articles that have you know been written about me and all that stuff. So if you hit up the link tree, you have a lot to dig into. Okay, all right, and you can find you on Spotify. Yeah. Any other places? Spotify and Apple Music seem to be the main places, but I mean, if you listen to music on YouTube, you type Dylan Dent, like music, I should be the only person that pops up. Um, if you don't want to use those big platforms, Bandcamp is another place that you can go and listen for free and buy you know, music. I'm on iTunes as well, but okay. I know people don't pay for albums anymore. Pay for it. Buy his music. Dylan, thank you for spending some time no with me here this afternoon in this burning hot lobby at the hill church in north roanoke uh thank you for you know you've been saying no to all kinds of stuff but you didn't say no to this and i appreciate that <laughs> uh and i have been enjoying your music and we'll continue Great. to and we'll look you will link to all this stuff in the show notes listeners thanks for joining us thanks for joining us for this conversation about the craftsmanship and developing skills and music we hope it's helpful for you as you listen at home mm-hmm. peace see you Welcome back. Here we are on the other side. What a great conversation with Dylan Dent. And, uh, you know, as we've had a chance now to reflect on that conversation, we wanted to share as our outro, and this is something we're going to do in every one of these conversations. We want to chop it up a little bit, talk about what we kind of what we loved, what we learned, what, you know, let me ask you guys a question about that conversation. What did you find most surprising? Well, the the main thing that I found most surprising is that he likes oatmeal raisin cookies. <laughs> what? It's okay, Dylan. Yeah. Are you a psychopath? Someone needs to eat the you oatmeal know, raisin everybody cookies. Everybody knows. You know what is what is really good about oatmeal raisin cookies? No. Um, if you <laughs> no, substitute nothing. the raisins Absolutely. for chocolate chips. Yes, really yeah, yeah. And maybe even get rid of the oats. Yeah. I'm fine with the oats. <laughs> that sounds like a good recipe. Yeah. yeah. But they they you know, truly you know, they are. Have, they had the... to be made by someone who was like, what do we got? <laughs> we got to get rid of those raisins. <laughs> yeah. They they are masquerading as chocolate chip cookies. They are. They really yeah. do trick you. Yeah. They do. It's, yeah. Everybody's had that experience. It's where a they cruel think it's a chocolate yeah. chip cookie yeah. and they're like. <laughs> <laughs> Although one of our very own Bonhoeffer House guys recently, like in the last year or so, said that raisins were his favorite part of trail mix. What? He's like, you know, you've got all that crunchy stuff and then you just bite into a, a nice, nice, soft, soft <laughs> raisin. I feel like and I, he shouldn't I was be trusted. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, yeah. so who is whenever, he apprenticing whenever under? Whenever we are with Neil Buchanan, <laughs> <laughs> we like to we take all, Hi, the, all the raisins out of the, I give him all my raisins. I'm yeah. just like start throwing them at him. Here, take uh, my raisins. Anyway, nice chewy raisin. back to Dylan. Back to Dylan. <laughs> what? Truly, you know, my favorite thing he talked about um, early on, he talked about how culture, our current culture wants the full, or I'm sorry, wants the single, wants the one hit, but that Dylan, his craft is focused on the full album and storytelling um, around that. And I thought that was really beautiful just to, um, you know, not bow to the cultural demand of um, a one hit, but 
you know, writing a story, telling a story through his music. And, and you can see that or hear that when you listen to it. Yeah, him. wanting to be more honest with the storytelling. You know, mm-hmm. what surprised me, this is just a kind of, you know, practical thing, but like the way he records where he, he writes the music, writes the lyrics, has it in his head, and then basically just lays the beat like like all live like a DJ. Yeah. That was yeah, that I just was that was amazing. shocking to me. I, I just can't imagine being able to do anything like that. Yeah. I that that would require so much timing, accuracy. <laughs> so much timing. And if you do listen to his music and we recommend that you do, you'll know that uh his flow and timing is is definitely the strength, uh-huh. you know, like being on point on time. And he said as much that that rhythm was what came naturally. So yeah. Hey, what about uh what's something you wish you could have heard more about? Um I I liked the he was telling that his mom sent him an article, I think Warren Buffett if I'm remembering correctly that yeah. really successful people say no to almost everything. Yeah. Um I think that's a really interesting conversation, uh especially with um prioritizing prioritizing your priorities and um, but also recognizing what those priorities are. Mm. Yeah, now that you mention it, that it would have been really cool to hear more about even how do you determine right. what uh, what you're called to. Um, how, do you, how do you narrow that in uh, to such a degree that you're able to say no to the things that, that don't line up? Um, maybe even what, what has to be in that narrow yeah. uh, stream as a as a Christian craftsman or craftswoman would yeah. would have been fascinating. The the balance of pursuing excellence in your craft while also prioritizing rest and um, spiritual well being. And I, I loved how Dylan talked about that. You know, who was right around him was the most important to him. So. Mm. Yeah, you know, as I was listening back over, I was thinking I should have asked him. I would have loved to hear more about the importance of community. Yeah. And like, so what's his craftsman guild? You know, and I I know he's got a community of independent artists that he he works with, he plays with. He so I'm curious. I'd love to know more about how they they kind of improve on each other's craft and how community plays into his growth as a musician. Mm. So that would have been interesting. Maybe we'll do a little follow-up there. Listen, if you're if you're interested in more information about Dylan Dent, you can check the show notes. You can find out how to follow him, how to listen to his music on major music providers. And uh, before we transition and uh, tell you a little bit about our next guest, I wanted to throw out a few recommended resources on craft and craftsmanship. These are things that I've been reading uh, leading up to this mini-series. One is a book called Shop Class as Soul Craft by Matthew Crawford. You had to uh, really focus to say yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's uh, a tongue twister of a title. Yeah. Yeah, soul Did you know soulcraft is a is a concept that Eugene Peterson actually thought he invented or or made up basically because there there really wasn't much writing on it, but it seems as though there were a few different folks who were who were thinking in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Eugene Peterson wanted soulcraft to catch on in place of spirituality. Hmm. Uh, and to think about pastoral ministry uh, when you think about um, caring for souls, that there's that, that would be soul craft. Mm. Interesting. Mm. 
Shop Classes Soulcraft. Check that out. That is a, a book by a, a guy who's a really a kind of political and social philosopher who quit his job, has high-paying, high-powered uh, think tank job to uh, build and repair well, to repair motorcycles. Actually, in Richmond, Virginia. Now he's, I think, in California. But uh, shout out to a local guy, Matthew Crawford. Uh, another one would be Why We Make Things and Why It Matters by Peter Korn. I mentioned I mentioned <laughs> Peter Korn with is this a K. The same? This yeah, is the same yeah, corn. yeah, yeah. Not the not the band <laughs> slash rock group. Why we make things and why it matters. Another is good, clean, fun by Nick Offerman, aka Ronald Ulysses Swanson, Ron from Parks and Rec. Uh, I'll throw out anything by Wendell Berry. You're probably going to get something on uh, yeah. the the attention to detail, excellence, slow living, and. Um, the importance of integrity and using tools that are true and good. And then uh, also there's an excellent essay by Dorothy Sayers about why work and where she really tackles how, as Christians, we ought to work for not just the love of God and the love of our neighbors, but for the love of of the work itself. And so uh, recommend those. We'll drop those in the show notes. Anything you guys would recommend before we close? Um, You know, I talked in the intro about Cooking and the book Bread and Wine by Shauna Nyquist. Nyquist, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> um, that's a really great book, just about the art of gathering and um, how good food and and um, the craft of cooking can be uh, a ministry of hospitality. Mm. Similarly, there's a there's a book called The Supper of the Lamb. Mm. Um, hmm. So this is also cooking. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Robert Capone. Capone. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, our friend Hannah Anderson. This is not exactly craftsmanship, but she she wrote Turning of Days about attention to mm. detail mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to creation and and the seasons. Um, so not not exactly craftsmanship but That's but right. in line with what we're talking about it's a kind of a craftsman like life yeah that's right. This These show notes are going to be so full. You're going to have so many resources. <laughs> Next episode, we have an interview with Chris Barclay of Barclay Fly Rods. And I'm really excited about this interview because I'm actually meeting up are with you? Chris. At <laughs> we the, can't tell. Yeah, I show them videos. I show them his website. I'm meeting Chris. Uh, actually, I, undisclosed location. Where we're going to be doing some blue lining, that is uh, some some fly fishing for native brook trout together, uh, and on a on a small creek somewhere again in an undisclosed location, and we're going to do that interview right there creekside, on his craft as a fly rod builder. Also, big shout out to Dylan Dent for letting us use his song "Skip the Cliffs." Here is our outro music. And so thank you listeners, fans, friendos for tuning into the Hammer and Quill Season 2, Episode 2, A Conversation with Dylan Dent about craftsmanship and music making. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow the Hammer and Quill on your favorite podcast app and write us a quick review letting us and others know how we are doing and how much of a five-star product this thing is here in the studio <laughs> of the Bonhoeffer House. If you have any questions or ideas for future podcasts, please write in at info at bonhoefferhouse.com. Until next time, peace. Peace. Peace.
I got more fire in my belly than not to. I'm happy as a clam, and I think you forgot to. Tell me where my enemies are, cause when I look around, I know what to be found. I guess they're counting down every single hour to the minute to the second. They have me second guessing if they even present. If they ever step up to me, I'ma give them all a gift. I'll say sorry in advance, and I'll go and plead the fifth. And I don't need a fifth to hit the top of your wish list. Every time I pivot, I'ma leave your ankles twisted. Listen, I'm not feeling listless. This, that, bliss, bliss. I don't feel indifferent. Already left the runway and I barely had assistance. Went to my back, let the jokers react. And now your power's laughing with me. They don't know what happened. Up so high that your size is a fraction. And what goes up must come down. But now I'm really feeling like that paradigm shifted. The feeling is addictive. Anti-gravity, I pray it's never lifted. And when I hit the top, it takes my booty that you're kissing. Listen. I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips, I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips, I'm on a list, everything is going on without a hitch. Skip the clips, I'm on a list.